What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Icarus Variety with Shane Jones. What is up, inquirers, and welcome to the expanse of deep, open-minded conversation that is Inquiries of Our Reality. I'm your host, Shane Jones, inviting you to join me for today's fascinating discussion of self-discovery through the use of spiritual plants and the questions and perspectives only learned through a deep understanding of the psychedelic journey. What role could these religious experiences have to beneficially impact the human psyche? But before we get into this today... We got to do news and updates and front of house, of course. So uh, for anybody that's not already aware, I am running a promotion on the Open Minds Media merch store. If you use code SQUATCHMIS, you will get 10% off from now until the end of December. And uh, I got two new designs on there, one for inquiries, one for bizarre encounters. And I also have a new Christmas Squatch slash alien design. So definitely worth going and checking out. Make sure you guys use that promo code and scoop it before Christmas, of course. And uh, I'm also still taking questions for Bizarre Inquiries for anybody that might be interested in dropping a question for that. Uh, That is going to be going on forever, of course. So uh, as long as we're running that show, keep uh, giving us some questions for us to discuss. Uh, It can be something serious. It can be something funny. If you guys want to hear us discuss it, then shoot me a message on Instagram or email me and let me know. And uh, if we pick your question, of course, we'll give you a shout out on the show before we get it up and rolling. And uh, the first two episodes of that will more than likely probably get uploaded onto the normal feeds. But after that, it will become my Patreon exclusive. So make sure you guys, uh, if you guys enjoy it, become a Patreon member. And uh, moving into the front of house stuff. If you're not already following the show on social media, highly recommend that you do. I am the most active on Instagram, but I also am on Facebook, of course. Uh, Don't forget to go and follow on YouTube and TikTok if you want to get any of the video content I'm putting out, Uh, mainly clips of the show, different things like that. But there is a lot of different other things in the works. Uh, We might even be starting to include maybe even like half the show for Bizarre Inquiries. We'll figure it out as time moves on. And uh, you guys can also go and pop into the Discord if you guys want to have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals. Always expanding, but the only way it's going to keep expanding, of course, is with your guys' help. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show or you're interested in having me as a guest on your show, or if you're interested in sponsoring the show in some way, shape, or form, uh, get a hold of me. You guys can do so through social media. Like I said, Instagram is the one I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders. Make sure that uh, nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get from you guys. And if anybody wants to report an encounter, I do have a specific email set up for that. It is OMM Encounter Reports at Outlook.com. 
or you guys can also go to the link tree for that one. There is a submission form specifically for that. And uh, we can have some back and forth on it, but maybe it can be something that I talk about in the show or something might get included in one of the encounter report books that I want to work on. Or if you just guys just want to share me share an encounter with me and not have it go past that, that's totally okay with me too. But we'll have some back and forth, figure out exactly what you want to do with your encounter. Or if you're close enough to me, I can even come and investigate it depending on what the type of encounter was. And uh, if you guys can't get enough of the content I put out, don't forget to go and check out Bizarre Encounters. I talk about it every single show, but it's a lot of fun over there. Orin and I, uh, we deep dive into a variety of different topics, all pertaining to the paranormal, cryptids, UFOs, all the fun stuff, of course. And we do have some interviews and some encounter reports all in the mix. So it's definitely a fun, fun show. I enjoy recording it, so I think you guys will definitely enjoy listening to it. And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything that I do all in one place, don't forget to go and follow Open Minds Media across social media. Uh, the YouTube, the TikTok, the Discord, all that is under Open Minds Media. A little bit easier for me to put everything all in one place. So if you guys see Open Minds Media, of course, that's me. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can become a Patreon member. Over there, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes of the show, early access to the show, lives of the show, live replays of the show, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, exclusive giveaways, and there will be obviously the Patreon exclusive content such as Bizarre Inquiries. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Always happy to take suggestions if there's more things that you guys would like to see as far as the Patreon goes, but go and become a member, of course, and support a podcast all in one swift move. And if you guys want to donate to the show directly to make it so I can get out to more conventions and be able to meet more of you guys, you guys can do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate, make sure you guys let me know that you guys donated if it doesn't give you some type of option for a personalized message so that I can give you guys a shout out and give appreciation where appreciations do, as I I always say. And the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media Merch Store. Always expanding with new designs over there. There is, there should hopefully be, if it's not already up, some new designs that are going to dropping for Bizarre Encounters and Inquiries of All Reality on top of the uh, Squatch Mist design. And soon enough, as soon as uh, Bizarre Inquiries gets up and rolling, there will be the Bizarre Inquiries logo design available over there too. And if you guys pick up something from the Open Minds Media merch store, don't forget to use that promo code SQUATCHMAS, or you guys can become Patreon members, get some even bigger exclusive merch store discounts. Highly recommend, of course, doing both. And uh, number four, you guys can support the show through word of mouth or by leaving a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a five-star review, I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout out, of course. And uh, while we're talking about supporting creators, don't forget to go and check out Joe at Crypto Theology, always expanding with his awesome cryptid-related merch designs. I know for Christmas, he's got a bunch of different uh, Christmas and holiday designs up, so definitely go and pick yourself up some awesome shirts to be able to wear at your family functions that you guys are going to be going to this holiday. And to all of my paranormal investigators out there, don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist. I do have an affiliate link for that, but I still highly recommend it regardless. It's one of my favorite paranormal investigating devices that I've used so far, and uh, it's created by Dimension Devices. So if you guys have any questions about the device whatsoever, go and hit up Barry over there on Instagram with uh, Dimension Devices, and he is the programmer for the Chattergeist, so he can answer literally any possible questions that you guys would have on it. And of course, like I said, don't forget to go and use my affiliate link if you want to scoop one up for yourself. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show for the second time, even though it's been a very long time, Seeker 
medium and artist, Whitney Fox. Welcome to the show. Hi, Shane. So glad to talk to you again. Yeah, we've yeah, missed you. So thanks for having me back. Of course. Yeah, we tried to plan this out a couple weeks ago, I think, and then we had some stuff pop up. But it's been over a year, unfortunately, since we've talked and we used to regularly talk. So I felt like this would be an awesome way to be able to reconnect again and get you back into the foresight of going back and forth. Because I mean, every single time I record, I have your awesome pain that you did for me right above this. So like every time I go to record, I think about you every day, but we kind of lost touch. So I figured this would be a good way to reconnect again. It's perfect. It's perfect. Glad to be chatting. So uh, I guess since it's been so long since you've been on the show, and for all the listeners that want to go back and listen, it's uh, in the early teens of the episode. So if you guys want to go and find it, you guys are more than welcome to. Uh, why don't you kind of give people a rough idea about who you are, what you do, and a little bit of your background? Okay. Um, so uh, you introduced me as artist at medium and seeker, and I was, yeah, for sure, been an artist for professional artist for almost 30 years and um, uh, medium as well. So the mediumship came as a result of my deep seeking, lifetime of seeking answers and uh, started working on that and found that it, it's, um, you know, we're all, we all are capable of that kind of um, communication and uh, sort of psychic connection, frequency and uh, vibration connection. So um, those those are like the high notes of what um, I'm, what I do, I guess. Um, for many years, I was a, a deep psychedelic seeker, um, but that came after several paranormal experiences, a, a very dramatic UFO encounter, and then you know, all the way starting back from when I was a kid, just weird shit, just weird shit all the time, and you know, trying to explain it and people thinking I'm weird and then figuring out that I'm not so weird, especially now we're kind of, it's kind of all coming full circle. And, um, I get to tell like my family and my friends, I told you so <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's weird shit going on. So, yeah. So, uh, I guess to kind of get everything rolling, cause we had kind of an idea of some stuff we want to talk about today. And it's been something that's been in the forefront of my mind, considering that I've been doing cultivation for a while now. And I've just seen all these drastic changes and things. Um, uh, I want to get into like spiritual plants with you. So I kind of wanted to get kind of like your view and standpoint on it before we get rolling into the meat and potatoes of the conversation. But just another quick little side note for anybody that is interested in your uh, paranormal encounters, uh, go and refer back to that earlier episode. So we don't have to go over it again, but I just had to throw it in there because I know I'm sure that sparks some people's interest. So you just got to go back and listen to that. <laughs> for sure. For, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I can go on a I can go on tangent after tangent. So, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. I love hearing it. Like I said, that the first episode was absolutely great. But I don't want to have to rehash everything again, uh, considering that we covered it immensely on the last one. But we will definitely get into some of your psychedelic experiences because it definitely falls into uh, the way that the psychedelic plant realm seems to be pushing nowadays. Uh, but I guess so everybody kind of has a little bit of context. Uh, why don't you let them know a little bit about like what your experience is as far as like psychedelic plants and all of the research that you've done into it. So people kind of know the standpoint that you're coming from before we get into it. Okay. Okay. So, um, I guess I could go all the way back to my first mushroom experience. Just, I think I was probably about 16 first time I tried mushrooms and, um, I knew something else was going on there. It was for sure just, uh, I grew up in the beach cities of uh, Los Angeles and it was just, you know, out with, you know, all the people that 
I surfed and skied with and we were just doing a thing, right? And then I realized on that first trip that I was being talked to by the plants for sure. Um, you know, we just went running around the town and every plant I saw had, I mean, essentially a face and a frequency coming at me. So even though I didn't know anything about shamanic journeys or ceremonies or anything like that, it kind of seemed like it was a uh, foreshadowing for later in life. Um, you know, so it's not like I did mushrooms all the time back then. It was just, you know, whatever, what you do when you're a teenager. A little bit later, I had another experience um, with them, and I talked to a cat telepathically. And that was, and I, and even the, you know, some of the same people, you know, witnessed it. And uh, so then, you know, that was reconfirmed. But just to throw in on that one, too, as far as cats go with psychedelics, uh, for all the listeners who have been around for a while, they kind of know my background with that stuff and how I started kind of going on that journey. And that's what enlightened me to really start inquiring into the questions of our reality, as the show is called. But almost every time I'd have psychedelic experiences, the cat, my cats would always seem like they're on the same wavelength, like they could see right. through you. And I would just get into these extra weird bonding moments with my cats where I just felt like they could like see into my soul. So I definitely think that just from another person to kind of confirm it, there is some type of connection as far as cats go with psychedelics that they may exist in that same realm. They may understand that same frequency, but there's definitely something to psychedelic specifically with cats. I'm with you on that. Cats are witchy for a reason. They are on a different frequency. Um, I mean, <laughs> they are, and then they're also like, I mean, who doesn't like to sit around and watch cat videos? Like, <laughs> what is going on with cats? <laughs> they're just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I had a DMT experience, and my cats were seeing the same thing. And it was like, I had three cats in the room at the time, and they were all looking at the same thing I was looking at, and they saw it before I did. So, like... I think that they can see yeah. more than what people perceive that they can see. And if anybody's curious of that story, just a quick little rundown of it. Um, I did a little bit of DMT, not enough to like fully blast off or anything. Uh, but I was, my cats just all started staring at this one direction in the room. So I turned and looked in that direction in the room and in my pillow, I started seeing these geometric patterns appear. And I saw what the best way to describe it is like the uni, like the Japanese demons that are like very colorful looking. I saw one of their faces in the pillow and it was doing this thing where it was like the finger like beckoning towards me thing. And then as soon as I kind of noticed that the DMT doesn't last very long. So it started falling back out because I wasn't enough again that I was like blasting off or having any kind of crazy experience happen yet. But it was just super weird that this thing was like beckoning at me and faded out just into the pillow and all my cats were watching the same thing. And it was three cats in the room that were watching it. Yeah, so that's I guess kind of what I mean, like the mapping the the shamanic slash psychedelic realm. Just because we don't have our third eye engaged on the regular doesn't mean cats don't or animals don't. Um, you know, it's possible at all times. Yeah, I, I mean, just another thing, just another house pet like a dog. Dogs kind of read your mind. They know how you're feeling. You know, if you're sad, if you're happy, they they vibe on that immediately. So um, cats are witchy and they're familiars for a reason because they they see more and they know more. And I think they're an archetype for a reason that, you know, the cat, the witch's cat. Um, so <clears throat> so anyway, kind of moving forward, I had a third as a really young person. I had a third pretty powerful mushroom experience up in Sequoia National Forest, you know, camping up there. And 
um, you know, frying my brains out and then having the plants, you know, essentially come alive and talk to me and spend a whole day laying in a ditch in <laughs> next to a river and uh, talking to the plants, you know. So you would think that possibly back then I would have started the more shamanic journeys and stuff, but life got a hold of me. People weren't really doing that. It wasn't really a thing or, you know, I guess McKenna and, and um, the like were around, but I wasn't, I, I, it didn't come across my wavelength. Um, so uh, m- later, much later, went through a hard time in my life, a divorce and all of that kind of thing. And I, when I would think about, um, you know, intermixed in there would be all of these other paranormal experiences in my, uh, my seeking mind, uh, studying out of body, uh, out of body and lucid dreaming and um, having some precognitive dreams. And that's also, that's also happening concurrently. So me knowing that there are, you know, psychedelic realms, you can go in without any plant medicines. I had, I didn't, wasn't learning to meditate yet. So I hadn't had that experience, which later learned that you can have a full-blown psychedelic experience with meditation alone. Didn't know that. Um, just knew that there was something else. Um, so when I went through the divorce, I had reached a time in my life where I was, um, um, it was just a very deep, probably the darkest, deepest time in my life. So the way that I chose to try and pull myself out of that, as opposed to like, you know, a bottle of wine and Xanax every night or something like <laughs> stupid like that, I dampen yourself out from things rather than really fall into things and spiritually feel things. That's, that's kind of where the deterrent comes in that I try to suggest to a lot of people is everybody has their vice and you can either fall into your spiritual side and start to understand it, or you can turn it all off completely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And stay there, stay stuck there. And, um, in any case, I, it came across, came into my mind that I was going to find a, um, someone here. I had heard that, there were ayahuascaros here in the States. I was going to travel to South America, but my kids were still all at home. And to take that kind of money and, you know, also going through the divorce, it was just not something that was a financial possibility. And then I had heard that you could find ayahuascaros, shamans here. And so I set to work on it and did a deep dive. And I found a very powerful one just by the grace and luck of God and fate and maybe the plants had, or I have to say the plants did have something to do with it. Nature in general was bringing me signs that this was the path that I was to be going down. And um, when I found this person, um, the fact that I, I knew that I could trust him right away and I started working with him with ayahuasca. And, um, and then after my first ceremony, I knew that I was going to have to really, really delve into this because I, every time I did a ceremony, I just had more questions. And so uh, learning about that plant um, and how it works, and it, it can be made from more than one plant. You know, it's, there's the typical ones, but then there's also, um, the, there's other c- compounds um, that, you know, that can be mixed to uh, make different kinds of ayahuasca with different frequencies and do different places. I've also found that uh, the 
where the ayahuasca is brewed has a different frequency and a different tone and a different mood and different lessons. And so to say I did a, you know, a deep dive on it, it was, I took it very seriously and I was starting to help facilitate um, the ceremonies and in working deeply with him, you know, the, I was part of the uh, team to, uh, we were going to open a, a retreat center and, uh, outside of Tijuana and and we were just starting to kind of work on that and then this person he died and so I kept seeking and I kept working with it I didn't have the I, I never quite got back to the place that I was working with him I was he was for a deep mentor and teacher and obviously a I should say mostly what he provided for me was an extremely uh, safe spiritual space in order to completely leave, to completely spiral out. Irreplaceable and individuals from, a, from the sounds of it. He was, he really was. And so I did what I could and worked with some others and facilitated, helped facilitate some other ceremonies, but I just was never quite the same. But I, I, all experiences, you learn something. So, so with that, um, I got up into, I guess the neighborhood of, you know, it's kind of hard to count. I was doing monthly ceremonies regularly, every month. Some months that would be more than one ceremony. These ceremonies, they would be two to three nights, maybe even four nights. And then during those nights, it might be between two and four drinks. So that's a lot of spiritual journeys into a lot of different realms, having a lot of different experiences started with a lot of healing of my, you know, deep trauma, um, a lot of healing of my body. Um, and also uh, with that, uh, understanding that our bodies carry certain frequencies based on certain trauma that we've had. So a lot of different journeys. And I could, I could tell you, well, here, I'll tell you one that sort of really illustrates all, you know, because there's so many, I could sit here all night and it's sort of like listening to somebody else's dreams. It's like, well, that's really cool, but I don't know how it's relevant to me. You know, <laughs> I find um, it fascinating. I guess it depends on the person listening. I, I'm always down yeah, to hear stuff and, like that. And <laughs> what the topic is, right? Right. Sure. So, so, um, this, so I'll, I'll explain this particular one and it, it, it kind of gives a broad sort of, uh, thing about frequency and vibration and stuff. One of the lessons that I learned about the physical body. And that was, um, I was deep in the shamanic ayahuasca realms with her. You know, it's thought that, you know, ayahuasca is the grand grandmother spirit, grandmother teacher, and, <clears throat> you know, fractals and um, some things run like a movie, like you're actually watching a movie or in the movie. Some things you're in a total space of non-duality with the creator and you are one. You don't have an identity, the e loss of, you know, the ego loss and all of that kind of thing. This one, I was in a journey where I knew who I knew my identity, and I knew that I had three children. And the spirits had essentially said that um, first child I had was a regular birth, no med med medication or anything like that. My second was a C-section, and my third was a C-section. I was told by the hospital that you know these babies were in distress and that they had to cut me open and. Part of me kind of thinks, you know, the doctors just had a tea time kind of thing, you know. But I was, at the time, I, 
I know more now, <laughs> and I would deal with it different than I did then because I had not really, I didn't really yet understand completely. I had some idea about the mind-body connection, but I didn't necessarily understand that our bodies are an extension of our spirit, and that's where these physical, uh, some of our our physical ailments and our physical um, um, illnesses, et cetera, start with a single idea in our bodies. And so the spirit told me, helped me elaborate on a thought that I'd already had about the mind-body connection. And she said, so, you know, you had a C, you had two C-sections. And then in that, in that vision and in that realm, you know, and just as real as me and you talking, if not more real, um, I said, oh, you know what, but I, you know, the hospital, the, the cord was around the neck and uh, around her neck, around his neck. And I, I really just, I just, wa- I was going, you know, making excuses, right? And she said, well, that's nice. Um, you're still going to have to rebirth them on a spiritual, on the spir- in the spiritual realm so that they don't carry that trauma in their bodies and their soul for eternity or for the rest of this lifetime or you know and I was like what do you, wait what do you mean I like I, I did the best I could they're they're here and they're alive and and she was like that's nice I don't really care are you into making excuses or are you ready to get to work and so with that vision I said of course my love for them is unconditional you whatever I got to do I'm in and so I relabored those children on the floor of that, you know, that house that night with all of the other people in, you know, I've got somebody next to me clucking like a chicken and I've got somebody else that's, you know, thinks he's a, a Native American, you know, chief and banging a drum and as these ayahuasca circles go, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Everybody having different experiences all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's the thing, just a sidebar on that is the longer I did it, the deeper I got into how those ceremonies work, you think it's their own experience, but it really is all tied together. So what happens is your neighbor's frequency is coinciding with your frequency to help you do the healing. So that's why the Icaros, if if any, you know, if any of your listeners have, there's got to be some that have done ayahuasca ceremonies and understand it, the songs and, and you know, what's sung and the, the music that's played is creates the physical frequency to go along with the journey and whatever frequency you're bringing through, whatever healing you're bringing through the shot, you know, the shaman, the medicine, you, you are your own shaman. Right. So, so in any case with this particular vision, I felt the pain. I, I felt the suffering. I did the screaming. I was absolutely convinced that when I opened my eyes and completely came through that there would be like a mess on the floor um, the the only mess that happened was on the psychic realm, but it was just as real as this. And so I understood that we walk around in these, um, you know, the meat suits here in this three-dimensional realm with our programming and our screens and our beliefs that we've been told to believe. And someone says something like this to you, like, oh, well, if you have a C-section, you know, on the shamanic level, your child might carry some scars from that. And so ha- this was one way to do that healing. 
possibly knowledge is another, just the knowledge of it and the prayer for forgiveness or prayers or, you know, those, that frequency is very powerful. So, so with that, I came back and I understood on some level that um, what also, I also understood on some level what unconditional love is. Would, you know, labor, any gals out there that have gone through labor of any kind, whether it's C-section, all natural, anything, I mean, it is, there is nothing like it. It is brutal. It is right next to death. I mean, it the pain, there's no greater pain, there's no greater suffering than childbirth, right? So, to go through it again and also be in a state of mind where I was not only willing that no one was going to stop me from bringing through that kind of sacrifice and, and uh, unconditional love. And, you know, you can extrapolate out what is uncon- unconditional love. It's sacrifice. And then, you know, takes us back to the, to the, you know, to the sacrifice of Christ, if you will, if that's all symbolic, if that's a realm, if that's a frequency, you know, maybe whether that act, a guy actually was put up on a cross or if it's just a frequency, an energy of sacrifice, of unconditional love. I know that's kind of feel, I feel like that kind of sounded like all over the place, but. um, No, it completely makes sense. I've kind of gotten into this whole concept about you have to experience pain before pleasure. And even just in the mushrooming experience, I've kind of noticed that for myself that most of the time when you go to do mushrooms, you have, when you're coming up and you just have, your body feels really uncomfortable. uh, You feel like you're going to throw up. You have all these different feelings that aren't necessarily good, comfortable feelings, but in order to get to the enjoyable feelings, you have to go through the suffering first. So I think it's symbolic that with most things in life, you have to deal with the suffering aspect before you get the pleasure from it. And the only way to be able to get the enjoyable part of it is by first willing to sacrifice yourself to the suffering in order to get there first. So it completely makes sense, at least in my mind. Yeah. Surrender or surrender too. Right. So, well, and with ayahuasca and it does happen with uh, mushrooms too, is there is a bit of a cleansing of the physical that needs to happen. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes you throw up and I've, you know, a lot of times with ayahuasca for sure, it's very common to have to purge either one end of the other and it's believed that that purge is it's not it's not food you're throwing up it's not your bowels you're you voiding it's pulling it at the uh psychic sludge out of the system and prepping it so that you can receive these messages or, or 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 that you can see and feel and understand what true forgiveness is or what grace really is or um you know, unconditional love really is because we carry around so much of the toxic, you know, the to- our, our toxic beliefs about, you know, things that we're programmed to believe that really aren't the truth. And they settle in our bodies. They settle in our bones and settle in our blood. And, and I tend to believe that that's what illness really is, is um, starts in the mind for, first. So plant medicines are a quick... <laughs> I don't want to say easy, but they're a much quicker way to get to let the let the plant spirits do the job of pulling out what you can't see that you're carrying. So, um, and I had no idea that having a C-section might actually. I mean, I was just trying to get the kids here, <laughs> just trying to have them not die, you know. And then, you know, and then I spent the next I've spent the next <laughs> 27 years just making sure nobody drowns, nobody chokes, nobody. You know, <laughs> so, 
now that they're all adults, I'm like, okay, just be careful. I did a lot to get you to this point. Um, so just using that to illustrate uh, one of just hundreds of lessons, not all about the mind-body connection either, you know, about history and past lives and dead loved ones. And I mean, I could literally go on and on. And that was also having had so many, just to, you know, move in another direction for a second, having so many experiences with the plants about being with um, dead loved ones when I came back. And it's so it's more real than this conversation. It's, it's more real because you, you see and you feel in, in 5D. Um, it's that so hyper-reality that you get from a, a lot of psychedelic experiences where it's just, it's hard to explain unless you've been there, but it feels more real than real. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like to say it feels, it's beyond feeling. It just is. Mm -hmm. It's more of a reality. Like this is the illusion. Um, so to come back to the illusion... And think that there is some sort of separation between us and our loved ones or those on whatever the other side is. It's just another frequency. It's another dimension. So to come back, how I and that seemed to be a, there was, I, I guess you could say I had two specialties amongst the group that I was working with. And one of the specialties was that having many, many visions of dead loved ones and conversations and healings and, you know, healing of grief and healing of misunderstandings and things like that. And then the other was having spirit animal um, experiences. So in these spirit animal experiences, again, same way, like a, a it's like a five dimensional um, or more multidimensional or thousand dimensional experience and come back here and try and translate that into what the, three-dimensional is there literally is not the words to talk about the infinite we've only got a limited finite language here and and we only have a limited finite uh, way of uh, thinking in general so going into some of those realms especially DMT understanding that we don't even think in in all of the potential ways that we can think we're just we're just one little perspective and then you go to the realms of the infinite perspectives all at once and as a psyche trying to, you know, come back down through the funnel, back through the tunnel into this place and then try and tell somebody, um, you know, by all rights, it, it sounds insane because it's, it's so much more than we can even comprise of here. But I, I think we're starting to, I think with all of the mapping of the realms that's going on and the, you know, people having conversations like this, I think, I believe, and I think the mushrooms are helping us, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I think all the plant medicines are, but I think the mushrooms in particular are, uh, you know, the sort of the stoned ape theory thing, you know, like where every time, you know, I, I, you know, like, uh, you know, 46 and two, right? Are we going to have more chromosomes at some point or less chromosomes so that we have a totally different way that our, our brains function because of using these substances that um, maybe every religious experience was a result of somebody getting into some business, you know, burnt the burning bush and um, turning over a rock and being like, what's that? 
That's exactly what I was going to bring up was the burning bush concept that a lot of people that follow the biblical narrative kind of like demonize the whole like psychedelic realm. But I don't necessarily think that's what it is. Like I often wonder if, you know, you talk about God more as like a male entity and then you talk about Gaia, the, you know, mother earth as more of like a female entity. And it seems like for creation, you need that male and that female energy. And maybe the Bible was written from one perspective one type of perspective, but I often wonder if it's a matter of the combination of both, that there was the male version God, and then there was also the female consciousness that is the earth itself, and maybe they somehow created together, and the way to communicate with both of them is through these plants, and it's not necessarily that like the fallen angels came and like taught people how to use these specific herbs, but rather it was the plants themselves learning to communicate and trying to teach people about the real reality. And they, the fallen angels had nothing to do with it. It was just a matter of the motherly female presence trying to be able to have an interaction with people and the godly male presence having an interaction with people. And again, you go back to the Bible and there's the burning bush. There's like all these different references to psychedelics with people having religious experiences and talking to God. So it can't necessarily be demonized if half of the Bible is based off of people using these types of things in order to have these religious um, experiences. But it's just a matter of being kind of hidden in the language that most people will hear burning bush and they think of a literal burning bush rather than the possibility that somebody was inhaling something from a burning bush and in turn having these religious experiences. Like, I think that the Bible has a lot to say and there's a lot of truth in the Bible. But at the same time, though, we also fall victim to language and translation of language. And there's a lot that's there right in the forefront that we kind of skip over just because of it just being lost in translation. Yeah, good way to break it down. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but did you um, ever read, I think it's called... Uh, the Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. Uh, the I'm aware of it, but I haven't actually read it. That's the one where uh, they refer to Jesus actually being like a mushroom or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, you know, just briefly, uh, it, the book is, uh, it's fascinating, but it's also, uh, it's a little bit of a dense read. So um, I, I think that's why, because it's, the, you know, like anything that's, providing a, a ton of information and also some science and some, you know, a lot about language itself. Um, it, it, it gets a little technical, but essentially Allegro was a linguist and he was originally tasked, hired, etc., to help translate the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so he was among three linguists, I believe. Um, and what he, what he, staked his reputation on and said what he found was that in a nutshell, like this is like breaking it way down, but essentially he said that in the, the debt, his interpretation through, uh, you know, his education, what he was finding was that in the Dead Sea Scrolls, essentially the name of Christ translated to uh, uh, Christ being the sperm on a mushroom sperm of a mushroom, something to that. So almost exactly what you said. So um, was, you know, like the union between God, you know, sky and earth and God and, and mother earth kind of thing. And also coming through the, a mind altering substance of the mushroom. So um, with that said, also I've heard, um, you know, you heard, what do you know? Right? Like, <laughs> okay. I heard it doesn't really mean anything, but I did hear 
someplace that they feel that Moses's, Moses's burning bush was acacia. And so yep. I've had um, ayahuasca made with acacia, and it is a religious experience. I mean, it's absolutely stunning and beautiful. Like some of the best journeys I've had was with the, with acacia. So, um, you know, it's anecdotal, but there you go. I mean, just to throw something in that's kind of weird to think about that I was kind of thinking about as you were describing the book. Um, so you talk about how Jesus turned wa- water into wine. So mm-hmm. back a long time ago, wine isn't like how it is nowadays. Wine contained mushrooms. So by using mushrooms and different things, you could turn water into wine using mushrooms. So that could also be a depiction of that. And then they talk about like uh, how Jesus could walk on water. Mushrooms are buoyant. They float. So that could also be part of what falls into that part of it too. And even the concept too of like, uh, you know, like the, the flesh of Christ, you know, you talk about how mushrooms are not necessarily like a plant substance, but they're not necessarily like a, an organic, like, oh, they're an organic substance, but not necessarily like a, like an animal flesh. So it's kind of like this mix in between the two where it doesn't really fit into any category. So that could also partly be where that kind of concept comes into it too. And it's just a matter of just how people have broken it down through time. And I mean, part of it could literally be the fact that they didn't want people to be able to talk to God themselves when you start talking about like the hierarchy of like what the church turned into. So rather than having people realize that they could actually talk to God themselves by using these things, they've demonized those and possibly created like an archetype of Jesus and Rather that they, you know, the person that we think of as Jesus could have just literally been a shamanistic individual that talked about mushrooms in particular. And through translation through the church, they turned the substance that he was talking about being like the the seed of of God into him himself and deterred away from this magical substance that was involved with it because they didn't want people to have religious experiences on their own. They wanted people to come into the church and think that there was a hierarchy that you had to get the Holy word from these particular individuals that were picked out to be able to speak about God. So, I mean, it could have just been a mix in translation that they just knew what was actually up. So they kind of deterred away from that and just started kind of mixing parts of the story to try to fit the narrative that the mainstream church was trying to do at the time. Well, it's real hard to control hippies, right? So people that are tripping. <laughs> so yeah, exactly, exactly. And to mess with the control system, if you can go to source directly. Um, you know, I know it's been talked about a lot, but it seems relevant here about Christmas time and the winter solstice, you know, about how, you know, you've, I'm sure you've seen images of the old Christmas cards that always have the mushrooms in them and, you know, like mushrooms in your stocking and, you know, so, and the Siberian shamans that look like they're dressed like Santa Claus and they're drinking, you know, rain, reindeer piss and tripping balls at the solstice in order to bring back the information, bring back the healing, bring back the, you know, the flying reindeer. And, um, you know, the, if, if, if anybody hasn't heard that concept before, you know, it's just, just Google, uh, you know, mushrooms and vintage santa it's funny you brought this up because i broke it down on the last episode right before this talking about the connection on stockings uh why there's presence under trees the whole concept of the amanita mascara that it's a neurotoxin unless it's ingested by reindeer like i fully broke this down recently so the listeners are fully up on this concept 
okay, that's great. And then also like bringing a tree into the house, like those mushrooms grow under pine trees. So it's like if that whole Yule sort of, um, you know, ceremony, I mean, it's a ceremony, right? You bring in to the house and then you, you know, it goes back to, you know, the, you know, the sun going away for three days and then coming back on the 25th. And it's very shamanic. The it is the high holy holiday of shamanism is the winter solstice, the sun returning. So, um, you know, like you, I have always thought that the story of Christ is very interesting. You know, even the one that we're fed, born in a manger, surrounded by animals. And then the that's know, kind of funny because if you think about the mushroom concept that mushrooms grow out of animal feces, it also kind of fits in that concept too that Dude, he I was born in a manger that. with oh animal feces. <laughs> that it was a mushroom to begin with. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's so great. Oh man! In the virgin yeah, birth, there was no mother; they just appeared. <laughs> virgin birth—it's kind of all there, right? Yep. You know the Star of Bethlehem. You know that. Uh, I don't know if you even if you listen to Neil Young, but you know that that line from um, what is the song? But you know when he says he says uh, he says maybe the Star of Bethlehem wasn't a star at all. Um, you know, and essentially he's implying that it was a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, wh- like where, where exactly did this story come from? And we're, we just kind of sing carols and songs about Christmas and nobody really asks. Like, I love the idea that animal dung, wh- you know, is the fertile ground for, you know, like the sacred cow, mm-hmm. right? That, it, you know, it's sort of worldwide. You know, I've always kind of thought that, you know, the cow is sacred because all the sadhus in India and Nepal and, they're also tripping balls and talking to God, you know? <laughs> so. That's why the three wise men came. They're actually shamans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. That's an interesting topic. And I think we're, we're all kind of looking around at this point, at least in the last decade and wondering how Coca-Cola really sold us what Christmas is with the modern Santa, you know? So I'm glad you broke that down last one. I'm, I'm going to go back and I'll listen to it. It's kind of funny. The more we talk about it, the more keeps popping into my mind that actually does connect it to that psychedelic concept. And I'm, I mean, obviously I'm not going to deny the existence of Jesus. I do think that Jesus was a real person, but if you're looking at it from this perspective, you got to think that maybe it's more so that Jesus was more so the person that was like the shaman that was portraying this idea. And that's why he got crucified for it is because he was telling people a direct way to be able to connect with God and talk with God. And they just kind of misconstrued all of the magical abilities that mushrooms have, for example, and pretended like it was this one particular person when it was never necessarily him, but he was just like the person that they were speaking through to portray the message. Right. Just too much truth. You can find too much truth when you have the direct line. Um, there is something to that. And then we've got all the, essentially the fairy tales. So, you know, we, when we talk about Christ, we call other another word for him is the son of God, even though, you know, we're all God. He's the representation on earth and, ha- you know, the product of the marriage of earth and sky. So, um, which is, you know, if, if, you know, if we can get there with that, that he is the embodiment in the th- three-dimensional of 
God, and God is what I've experienced in my deepest DMT experience, getting essentially a near-death experience and going and being with the divine source and trying to come back and explain it or describe it, completely impossible. All I knew is there was nothing to it except for love, right? And so if we if we say Christ on earth or Jesus here, if we can't call him Christ, What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We can't call him Jesus. We can't call him that. We can call him love. Any words that he's written, all the red letters in the Bible, you can just name him love, and it's still going to be the same thing. So, um... That reminds me that recently I heard someplace that there is like a resurgence of interest uh, in Christ in the Middle East recently with like all of the unrest there. So what does that mean that there's being an infusion of, say, the Holy Spirit and the the spirit of love in a very uh, hate-filled place? So is that it? What, how, what else would Jesus do? Maybe that is the second coming, that suddenly people are talking about love again. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not necessarily a person, it's a frequency. I mean, I don't know. I could definitely see that even in like the U.S., for example, because I've talked about this a few times on the show that everybody gets into the spirituality concept that you are God yourself. But once you go down that path, I mean, it seems like you've been on that path. I've been kind of on that path. It starts with individual spirituality and then it turns into God spirituality. Like everybody starts off on that path. Like that's the entryway because everybody likes having the concept of you creating your own reality. But the farther you go down that path, it seems like more often than not, people get back into the God perspective of things, which is starting to happen again in the U S like there's a reinsurgence of just those same beliefs after all of this crazy stuff that's been happening the past few years, which kind of brings it to the next point of conversation that I kind of want to get into about this, uh, separation from spiritual plants that seems to be intentionally placed that I've noticed and coming from somebody that's working in the cannabis industry, it seems like just a prime example would be like tobacco, that tobacco for the natives was a very spiritual plant. It wasn't this cancer causing awful plant that everybody perceives that it is now. But now that big corporations got a hold of it, um, all this additional stuff has been done to it in order to pull the spirituality from it. Now it's this awful substance and now they've even created it to be obsolete where people are using vapes now and not very many people are actually smoking tobacco not that it's real tobacco to begin with anymore but then it's starting to move into cannabis that cannabis was a very spiritual plant and the more that it's commercialized the more it pulls away from the spirituality of it and i mean it may even be the plant itself that these plants are actually conscious just not in a way that the average person understands so by treating them with disrespect they're going to give disrespect back so the more that you separate the spirituality from the plants, the farther people are going to keep going away from the spiritual path. And I know we we're talking about it before the show, but I definitely think it needs to kind of get rehashed and brought back up that the average cannabis user that's been smoking for years, myself included, it used to be a lot more of a creative high. Like you'd want to be able to go out, you'd want to create things, you'd want to do art, you'd want to do this. And it seems like for more people that I've talked to than not, It doesn't do that for them anymore. It pulls your ambitions from you and makes you sleepy. And it's not the same high that it used to be. And that could be caused by all the different ways that they're producing it now because it's all about quantity over quality. Or it may be just because the plant itself 
feels disrespected. So it's giving disrespect back that it's not giving you that creative muse anymore. Instead, it's dampening your inhibitions to really do anything, which was the viewpoint that people had of it back in the day. What everybody knew wasn't really what was happening because all the most creative people are smoking cannabis in the day. And now my biggest fear is that it's pushing into mushrooms because they're starting to decriminalize mushrooms. Everybody in the brother is growing mushrooms. And when I used to do that kind of stuff, like I would have really positive results doing all these spiritual things with them, like playing music for them, talking to them, never going into the room when I was in a bad mood, just keeping positive energy for them. But now they're talking about how they can synthetically produce psilocybin using different types of bacteria and allergies. So they're pulling away from even the spirituality of the plant. And they're basically giving you the rush that you get from these things without the actual spiritual tie to the plant itself. And in turn, making the actual plant obsolete because the average person doing it thinks it's all about the, the high feeling that you get from it when that's never what it was intended to be in the first place. It was supposed to be spiritual tools for growth. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before, and I tend to think that that that, that uh, what you just described is intentional by the parasite class that want to keep us asleep because they know we're waking up. They know that people are using these things, um, you know, for to not just mind expansion, but having their own rela- spiritual relationship with the other realms, with the creator. And so, of course, of course, they have to. Of course, it has to be controlled, and of course, it's going to dumb you down and keep you in your cubicle. It's just that I believe in humanity. I think human beings are very powerful, and they're very wise and very smart if they allow themselves to be. And just the fact that you've brought it up means that it's possible that that people, or it's probable that anyone that has a real relationship with any one of the plants, even if it's just... Um, you know, the tomatoes you're growing in your backyard is you feel their frequency and you feel their vibration. Everybody knows that if you grow a garden, your food tastes better because it is better. It's not some, you know, some mass produced GMO that's uh, not even designed to actually give you nutrition, let alone a frequency, ingesting a frequency. So, of, of course, it's going to extend to cannabis and then heartbreaking I guess it's heartbreaking. Maybe it's going to be a giant red pill for everybody, though. You know, when people just go, oh, so mushrooms now? You can't do that. You can't, you're not going to be able to take the spirit out of something and have people still pursue it. I mean, some will, but then there'll be the, the, the great awakening on that as well. People will understand, oh, this is my relationship with the creator, with the plants, with the animals with my family, with my community, with others, is between me and them, not between me and Raytheon or mm-hmm. me, me and, uh, you know, whatever, Coca-Cola let's, or Disney. You know, they, I, they're not my filter for what reality is. And if, if it takes something as uh, something that's having such a massive global resurgence in, you know, connection with the shamanic like cannabis um people start to wake up from that they'll reject it and i don't know how long it will take but eventually human beings you just look through history they they eventually reject what is not natural what is not normal and what is not of god what is not of light what is not of growth and expansion um things that are of retraction they eventually kill themselves they eventually eat, eat, you know, they eat, it will eat itself. 
they'll just kind of go away like every other trend that is not productive um but they keep trying you know they they keep trying they get a few suckers they throw a few wars um mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know battle after battle but like have, people are amazing um people are amazing with their connection with um the whole with their own individual shamanic connection with the creator so i have faith i have faith i, I but i also believe in the afterlife so um you know it's not that i don't fear death a little bit um you know i don't want to like it's natural to that. fear death yeah I, and my main reason for not wanting to die is i love my family so much so i like you know i but i don't want to end that so that's my only fear of that ending but i've had enough deep experiences as a medium and as a you know a, a journeyer a, uh, that um this is not it so we're not done we're barely just started this is the realm of like the illusion and the maya right so um so taking that to the next natural stage it's like okay so we have a lot of wars or we have disease or we have you know the the thing from 2020 that'll never go away that have supposedly killed people and you know clot shots and stuff like that it's terrible it's terrible but it's for this realm and there's infinite realms so um one of my concerns is when i was having egoic deaths is i was really really concerned coming back to this identity um that i was not going to even recall or even know who this identity was and it was a real it was a real shot to my ego or a real shot to my um my uh, uh integrating back here like do i even exist at all if i if when this when i turn to ash when whitney turns to ash will i even take any of a memory of this with me or maybe it never even happened at all and so i still go down that rabbit hole sometimes and and um it's it, it all kind of lose touch with like what reality really is so it's with that said if what if we leave here we turn to ash and we don't even know what the clot shot was or we don't even care we just move into some other part of the frequency that is the creator the infinite creator so i asked essentially this question in a deep in a deep psychedelic realm and i was and i was essentially told you'll remember if you want to it's will you want to is the question do you remember the good the bad the everything does hitler you know i mean that's a whole other topic if hitler <laughs> was hitler at all but um <laughs> um but is hitler sorry you know is hitler regretful does he remember does he care is there what and you know for all we know especially shane the way this culture is going i'm not even 100% sure the guy even existed i don't know i wasn't there however my father was there my father fought in world war 2 and you know marched into auschwitz and some pretty heavy stuff so you know but that's still you know second person stories you know so what do we know what's real we the first thing we started talking about me and you when we before you started recording was time itself like 
what the fuck is time? It's a human-made construct, depending on where the placement of the sun is in the sky to begin with. And we've created rules and laws of it when realistically there is no rules and laws because even where the sun sits at specific time alters throughout the year. So it's strictly 100% a human-created concept. Except we've got we've got methods of measurement. Like, I know that I don't want to eat that tuna fish in my fridge after three days. That's not happening. So I need time because food will spoil, will age, our bones get brittle, our dogs die. Our, you know, like, we've got these methods of measurement. But like you said, it's how many, how we measure it is how many times this, you know, the, the earth goes around the sun or the sun, like, and also... We don't even know that space is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is that? Is that somebody's just put this clock in the sky for us? I don't know. I've not gone to space. I don't know. <laughs> so it's all sort of, we're just like, la-da-da, just skipping along going, oh, yeah, yeah, I know how, I know what time is. No, we don't. We don't have any idea what it is. So, um, but and it could alter regularly and we'd have no, no idea to even be aware of it to begin with. Like, time could speed right. up and slow down constantly. And if our clocks, everything gets shifted with it. We would be no, we wouldn't be aware of this even the slightest bit. <laughs> right. Based on our perception. Yep. So it's all about our perception. To, <laughs> going back to psychedelic journeys, roughly when you do ayahuasca, you can stay in for, you know, more than two hours, but roughly it's, you come up and then you're in and then you come back and you look at your 3d clock and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Two, two and a half hours went by when, I've had experiences that lasted a thousand years. I had an experience that I was a redwood tree for its entire uh, lifespan, right? So, um, and then come back and be like, oh, wow, I got that all done in one night. Dang. <laughs> um, and then, you know, with DMT, you know, I, the DMT that I did was, you know, Bufo Frog. And, and whoa, that was every lifetime that anybody has ever had and then some it was in the infinite and come back and be like that was 20 minutes now i'm gonna go home and make my son and husband dinner what i mean what what is this time thing i'll never see time the same it's just this thing this you know consensus reality we all agree to and um and get pretty caught up in for sure and i mean even talking back about the whole like time concept too um well, I, actually, I want to deter back for one second about the psychedelic concept that we we're talking about. I'm kind of hoping that when it comes to all of these spiritual substances, that people will realize what's happening over the controlling forces getting too cocky about what they're doing and rushing it too quick. Like tobacco was a very gradual thing. Cannabis mm-hmm. seems to be a very gradual thing where they are knocking out all the little guys. So you can't produce it at home. And they try to make it seem like it's something unachievable for you to actually be able to do yourself so that people can't actually right. experience both things next yep. to each other. But if they rush mm-hmm. the whole mushroom concept with the artificial version being right next to the actual version, hopefully people will have a standard of comparison. And by actually trying to rush it, they'll actually make it so that people realize there's a huge difference between these things. Because just a prime example, uh, a long time ago, you sent me some tobacco that was naturally grown in Peru and blessed by shamans. And experiencing that and smoking that is significantly different than the tobacco that we perceive nowadays. And it's just a matter of comparing the two next to each other that, you know, you can take this mass produced thing and put it next to some homegrown full of love cannabis, for example. And once people start actually having the two things next to each other, maybe they'll actually start realizing things. But the problem is the masses, they just, 
they want the easiest, most convenient method of doing things. So when it comes right. to like mushrooms, anybody that's spiritual about it has no problem taking the couple of months that it takes to actually grow a decent batch of mushrooms. But the average consumer, everything's so quick, 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 now, 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 that they're not going to take the time to really realize that. But the hope is that at least a small portion of the masses will notice this and start pushing it so that other people realize this type of stuff too. And yeah. again, hopefully it's just a matter of these people that are the controlling powers are starting to get cocky and trying to rush things too fast that hopefully the average person will actually see that comparison next to each other. And yeah, I mean, talk about time too, bringing it kind of back full circle that yeah, I hope their greed factor shows their hand. Exactly. Yep. And even like I said, with the whole time thing, they think that they are, maybe they think that they're running out of time or something like that, but it's just a matter of, they're, they're making things too close together that it's kind of blindsiding people left and right. But once people kind of realize that time isn't necessarily as, as we perceive it, and you can slow it down to exist in a moment in particular by itself, that maybe they'll actually not be flooded by all of these outside concepts and actually be able to focus on one specific thing and realize what's actually happening in front of them. Because again, time's an illusion. So take the time to sit back and enjoy the moment and realize how much time, how much slower time moves once you learn how to actually exist in the moment. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's funny too. I, I feel, I believe, uh, nature went always wins. Nature wins out. So if, if, even if it takes, you know, in, in all manners of ways, right. Nature will talk to you through a plant medicine. Nature will talk to you through your garden, through your food, through your, uh, through your cat, you know, um, uh, for instance, um, I, we bought this house a couple of years ago and suddenly, you know, in creating the garden, you know, I'm a gardener. So like in creating the garden, I, I had these like little plants pop up and I was like, it kind of looks like a, is that a weed or what is that? And I was like, I'm just going to let that baby grow. Cause it had a frequency to it. Right. And then I watched it grew really fast and, and, you know, I know we're talking about time, but it really grew fast. Like I would look, look at the one in particular and it would grow every day. And so then I finally got my plant app out and I was like, what is this? It looked kind of alien and it had a, like we were talking about mushrooms earlier. It just had this whole little personality. Right. And, um, I look it up in my plant app finally and it's tree tobacco. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I, so it got really big. I ha I've had, I have to keep it pruned because it like shades my herb garden too much, but it just keeps coming back and it grows really fast. And so, you know, I dried some out and it is the sweetest, most beautiful tobacco. It's got this really pretty color and like, it's really light. And so. Is that native you know, to where you live or was that just something spontaneous that popped up? I, you know, when I looked it up, it didn't say it was native to this area, but then I started seeing it everywhere. And so check this out. This is super funny. Um, my husband, who's not a gardener, but um, also very observant and super funny, it, it, where the tree grew, when it flowers, it's got these long yellow flowers that have these tiny little seeds, right? And um, where it grew, I, you know, I trimmed it way down so I could get more sun in a place that I wanted more sun. And then we had a bunch of rain um, last year and this brick chimney with the regular cement grout and stuff, evidently a bunch of seed had, you know, embedded itself in the grout. And so then it had all these little tiny tobacco trees growing out of the chimney. 
And so my husband looks up, he goes, he goes, what's your tobacco plant doing? You know, like what? You, you might need to talk to it and tell it to stop growing out of the walls. So in any case, yeah, I've got some of it sitting right here. Um, yeah, it's a trip. It's kind of so, funny you brought that up because before we started the show, we we're talking about my weird little ecosystem that I have growing in this fish tank. Yeah. And it seems like this seems to be a common thing that's happening among spiritual people is that you're seeing this practice of life finding a way regardless, like just yeah. that random plant popping up in your garden versus like in my fish tank. So people that aren't aware of the story, um, I was having issues with no fish living in my tank besides this one particular fish. So I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like what's happening here? So I accidentally, or I bought a live plant to put in there and I didn't know that there were snails on it. The person that gave it to me didn't know there were snails on it. The next thing I know, I have a full breeding population of snails in this tank. So I'm like, all right, it must not be me. There has to be something like the water must be fine. There's some other kind of outside force that happened. And so my one fish, I just stopped putting fish in there. You know, I gave her shrimps. I gave all the snails. She doesn't bother them. Everything's perfect. She would just seem to attack other fish. Then all of a sudden my daughter's looking in the tank today and we noticed this little, little, little tiny baby fish. And we realized that she was pregnant the whole time. And that was probably why she was attacking the other fish in there. But now I have this little, tiny, adorable, I've never seen a baby fish that's like a day old before. It looks like a little tadpole. It's just this weirdly, like, beautiful, tiny little thing. But it seems like, again, going back into, like, spiritual people, that this occurrence is happening of life finding a way. And I feel like it's portraying a message and trying to show us possibly symbolically that no matter how bad things get, that the things that are important are going to find a way to break through and they're going to find life and just different means of delivering the same message. I think that it, all of this happening with spiritual people is symbolic for the fact that we are going through some hard times, but at the end of it, there's going to be beauty in life that finds a way through all of it. Yep. Trust nature. I think that's the, you know, I think that's the upshot mother nature, you know, you can't mess around with her. Mm -mm. she'll end up finding a way. And that's, that's again, where I got back into that concept that I was kind of talking about in the beginning that, you know, everybody tries to separate like Christian beliefs from like pagan beliefs, but I think it's a blending of the two that there was two creators. There was the male and the female presence and maybe the plant itself or the planet itself is the conscious being. And that's the female energy and the creating force that put life on the planet so that it wasn't by itself was this male energy. And that seems to be, kind of how the male energy versus female energy seems to usually kind of collaborate with each other is that the female energy is the nurturing energy that helps it so that life can flourish, which would be earth itself. And then the male presence is the doer, the creator, the one that makes things happen and they can't work without the other. Like there has to be the combination of the two. And again, it keeps kind of going back into this blending of the two that I think that there, there is a blending between these two practices. And it was just that one tried to demonize the other and when you start looking back at it from a from a further back standpoint, I definitely think that it's this meshing of female and male energy between the two, and it just kind of got overpassed uh, within the Bible. But who knows how many sections were actually removed? Like maybe there was a section at one point that talked about a female. I've heard of people make reference to it, but I'm not going to say pull it out of, pull it out of a hat and say that this is the way it is. I just know that I've heard reference to there actually being a female creator presence along with the the God male creator presence, but just through years and years of oral tradition, people rewriting the Bible multiple times, I feel like that's been pushed out of the Bible and it's just this strong female con or the strong male controlling presence and the female has been kind of pushed out of the story as a whole. 
Yeah, the balance, the balance between the divine feminine and the divine masculine, you know, in our culture, we're watching, we're watching, I think, the very end of the confusing time with, you know, which I think is a very contrived sort of thing that we're watching in popular culture, I should say, you know, with, you know, people changing their genders uh, kind of thing. Um, when I was working with that shaman, that was just sort of previous to this new sort of aspect of our culture. And um, in our group, there was uh, a member that was ha- w- w- was trans and was, um, you know, post-op. And she was lovely. She was just great. And I, I do believe that she, she for sure was someone that needed to explore that for whatever her soul's journey was. And he, and she was more than willing to, you know, speak on that to the rest of the group when the shaman wanted to talk about the divine feminine and the divine masculine in all of us and how it's by the same sort of um, forces that, you know, run, you know, have us you know, finding our identity in screens and stuff, um, repressing one or, or the other. In other words, like, you know, men don't cry or, you know, women can't play sports or all those things, you know, like the, the old archetypes that have been like uh, kind of, um, you know, kind of run out. And then now this new where they're, it's actually being genderless is the goal. So nature in my belief system, it, nature's not going to put up with that. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll essentially run ourselves into non-existing at all. However, in like in your life and in my life, there are things that I know are the masculine side of myself, and I'm sure you know the feminine side of yourself. You could say that your nurturing side as a father is your feminine, your divine feminine, or the 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 fact that you have an intuition with the plants that could be typically seen as feminine and then you as the podcaster you as the person that is the content creator that that's going out and more of a masculine trait you know so there's a balance there your home life your work life your creative life you know you can even look at the male and female body like one that goes out is the one that's going out to create and the one that goes in is the one that meditates right so mm-hmm. or you know, brings in the energy to transmute it back into love and put it, put it back into the the masculine energy and put it back out and create with it. So, you know, it, it we're not taught that we don't talk about those kind of things at school or even in our culture on our screens or our in Instagram influencers aren't talking about find the divine feminine in yourself, men, or find the divine masculine in yourself, women, and embody that in how you live your life day to day. Instead, we're told. Well, you got to get yourself a man because, you know, or you got to, you got to cut your dick off or you're not going to, you know, or any one of these crazy actual not in keeping with nature uh, aspects of this, you know, this new place that um, all of our screens are shoving down our throats. So what's, I think what's going to be the natural reaction is it's going to be nature is going to come back that what that, what is natural will come back like a boomerang on these um, on these things that are being f- on these contrived you know notions that are being constantly shoved down our throats everywhere you look um, 
you know, I'm sort of choosing just to not look anymore. I'm having a hard time with social media. I just got to, I just got to, I'm getting too old for that shit, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm starting to wonder if it's possibly a misunderstood connection with growth of spirituality being from the fact that if you get into the whole concept of past lives, that you weren't necessarily always a male or always a female in your past lives. So maybe it's a misunderstood realization and connection with that, that people in their say life before the last, they were the opposite gender of what they are now. And they're so heavily connecting with that, but not understanding why they're connecting with that because all of the spirituality is starting to be on the rise again, that rather than realize that they're having remnants of past lives that they've lived or that they still have a heavy connection with their past lives, society is pushing them into thinking that you mentally are thinking that you're this thing. So you need to physically change yourself to this thing rather than realizing that again, it's just a rise and a reconnection with your spirituality and realizing that again, you have to blend the masculine with the feminine in order to be able to go about your life to begin with. And just again, misconceiving the fact that you do have these memories subconsciously in your mind and they're just hijacking it and pushing it into a whole other thing that it wasn't necessarily intended to be because assumably if you're living the life as this particular thing it was intended to be and i mean i've even said maybe part of the journey to begin with is that you do need people that are doing these transitions so that it can kind of help future generations in a way to understand how they're feeling like there has to be trial and error in order to get to the positive point and maybe some people's life journey is that they're intended to do the transition so that they can show the positive and the negative of going about those types of things so that future generations can learn from all of the, all of the things that you choose to do in this lifetime. Like, again, maybe it's a blending that's needed in order to help with the spiritual growth because people have to understand that, you know, it's in some cases, you know, people work out great. They enjoy the rest of their life after a transition. Other cases, people become worse off than they were before the transition. But the only way that we'll ever grow and learn through this time is through people actually doing these types of things. And whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, it's still needed in order to learn and grow from it. Right. Everything is medicine. Everybody learns something, you know, whether it, and like we said before, you know, what's good, what's matter of perspective so um it's it, it where it becomes in my mind bad is when others have their freedoms taken away so as long as everybody is free to be who they are and don't get you know canceled for not using the right pronoun kind of thing or you know because then that goes that that extends itself into the freedoms of others and that's where it's gotten really weird is when we have like corporations and you know ESG and things like that that are taking away the freedoms of those that aren't participating in that exploration process. You know, explore away, do your thing, you know. Um, A lot of doctors getting really rich. I'm not sure that's necessarily, um, you know, I mean, whatever. Doctors deserve to get rich too, I suppose. But, you know, (laughs) if there's a, um, if we're, we're so really still so early in this whole process, and I know it's a kind of random out there topic, I do think it is connected to divine feminine and divine masculine. We're being um, pulled away from divine anything. So, you know, if we're told, no, you just, uh, this, is what, this is what the rest of the culture is doing now. Don't even think about the divine aspects of your own internal set, 
you know, your psyche and your spirit, just do this. This is the answer. Um, to very maybe young and impressionable and possibly groomed people that haven't had a ch chance to even mature enough to consider the ramifications of. So, you know, it's obviously not my business what anybody does with their bodies or, you know, it's we're all on our own path. However, when it starts to get into those that um, infringing on other people's rights and freedoms in the process. And that's where I think the, you know, the parasite class likes to keep us controlled and distracted. And that's where it gets yucky. It's real yucky in that, in that uh, part of the topic. So how, how's it going to end? Because it probably is going to end or, or it's at least going to be quelled and sort of uh, go back to uh, less imbalance, go back more into balance like nature always does. Um, it's interesting time to watch though, for sure. So um, I'm trying to think of the name of the writer. I read it some time ago uh, talking about the topic of the masculine and feminine in our psyches and in our, um, in, in our uh, spirituality and in terms of how we deal, you know, like our personalities and stuff, how we deal. And um, if I think of it, I'll send it to you because I read it a while ago. It was really interesting and kind of brought the point home of, of how, yes, yes, we, we are all male and female. We have certain genitalia to express that frequency, but um, we all have male and female traits and that's, that's the beautiful balance of being human. Um, so people just need to learn how to become comfortable with it. Like such as the concept that back in the day, you know, the dad that would be at home with his kids and hang out with his kids and be around his kids and tell his kids that he loved him was looked at as a feminine man. Now a days that, you know, isn't necessarily seen as a feminine man. That's just seen as like a true man that's okay with embracing his feminine side and nurturing and caring for his children. So I think it's just a matter of a swing of, you have to break down the gender stereotypes and realize that they aren't necessarily gender specific, but rather that they're uh, spiritually specific to uh, two different types of energy and there's a male and a female energy, but it's not necessarily about like a stereotype. And we, we're just in this weird time where we're just, I feel like we're, we're trying to rebalance ourselves back out and try to figure things out. And we had a long time where it was heavy male energy. And then we went through this up spike where it was heavy female energy. So the next step, assumably, will be a comfortable balance between the two. And hopefully we're going to usher into that sooner rather than later. Um, and people will learn to be more comfortable with themselves and realize that it's okay to be who you are naturally, but still be able to embrace both sides of your personality rather than actually going out and getting a surgery performed in order to feel like how you feel on the inside. When assumably, if you believe in like the whole God concept, you are created in the way that you were for a reason and you can embrace both sides of your personality mentally without necessarily having to alter it in the physical reality. Yeah. Yeah. There's that aspect too, for sure. Like how you were built, maybe there's something you were supposed to learn. So I, I think our uh, social engineers have thrown a wrench into a lot of things in the last hundred years, or maybe not hundred years, but early, early television. I think it all started with social engineers trying to, you know, 
create the culture that is the best that are the best servants for you know the the class of people that need the servants and uh it's it's real dark insidious stuff but i i do tend to think that we're right that like that the narrative is falling apart social engineers know that they've overplayed their hands and this is the last days of craziness at least or maybe not because every time i turn around there's another social media platform there's another screen there's another camera there's another you know (laughs) um and uh baby i tend to think that possibly our culture might bifurcate there's going to be those that are continually programmed by the social engineers with screens in every wall in their house. And then there's those that are going to evolve in a different uh, direction without as much, or, I mean, could you imagine we all would probably be pretty, pretty satisfied with if you, if I'm a girl, if I'm a boy, if I'm a tomboy, if I'm a femme boy or whatever, um, I'd probably be just, I probably wouldn't have a problem with it at all. I'd just be happy being me if I didn't have um, somebody telling me how to think all the time. Very true. So, um, you know, as as much as I love a good freaking true crime Netflix series show and <laughs> put my feet up <laughs> now and again, you know, it. I, it's really hard for me to watch TV, any TV anymore, because all I see is where the programming is happening. Yep. What they're trying, what the agenda is, what they're trying to, you know, I don't know how anybody really does it without that, you know, making a list of (laughs) the next scene. They're trying to get me to feel this way or think that way or, you know, so they can, they can have, um, they can have me just right on the, on the consumer train or right on the, you know, transhumanist train or whatever it is this week. I think people are waking up though. I have faith. No, I definitely agree too. I feel like that's why there's been such a push that people are getting back into inter- independent entertainment rather mm-hmm. than mass produced entertainment because not everything is intended for everybody. And the sooner people realize that, the better off they're going to be, that people want stuff that's individualized to their views, their opinions, their beliefs. And it's impossible to create something that is accompanies every single person that exists on the planet. Like there's always going to be people that want to like walk amongst their group. That's like the tribe mentality. And that's just something that's naturally bred into us. That's always going to be something that happens. And again, the sooner people realize that the better off they're going to be that some entertainment is meant for some people. Some isn't meant for anybody. We can all still get along. It doesn't matter, but we don't always have to all be watching the same thing. So like, if you stop trying to accompany everybody into everything, the better off you're going to be. Like create something for this group of people, create something for this group of people. And I feel like in turn, by doing that, the groups are going to be able to get along better because then the opposite opinions aren't getting forced on from either way. And then maybe the people will actually come to a mutual understanding at that point. Yeah. It seems people are starting to wake up to the agendas and, you know, so as soon as a good majority of the people wake up to the agendas and understand then people, then things will like comedy will be funny again. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm starting to notice it a little bit, like people being funny and brave enough to actually say funny stuff now. Because comedy's supposed to be edgy. And if you take the edge out of comedy, what are you left with? Like 
the whole point of comedy and how it was formed to begin with is to make a joke out of things that are happening in our reality that people don't necessarily agree with. Like the birth of comedy was literally like groups of people making fun of royalty back in the day on the streets. Like it was, it was all based off of being edgy and making fun of things in our reality because things that make you irritated, things that make you mad, the best way to be able to learn how to cope with those things is by making jokes about it. You see that with people that have heavy trauma. Most comedians have heavy trauma. And the only way if they've learned how to deal with it is through making a joke out of it and making it funny. And the sooner people realize that people aren't creating jokes to offend people, but rather that they're creating jokes in order to be able to understand things that are happening in their own mind, the better off people are going to be. And I think that whole concept has been lost through time that people just don't understand what comedy is supposed to be in the first place. There isn't a comedy that's intended for everybody. It's supposed to be on the edge. It's supposed to be fringy and basically a coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think it's like, what's the phrase? It's like the gestures and gestures immunity or, you know, meaning that the court jester can essentially say whatever he wants. Cause it's comedy. Exactly. <laughs> so and we just got to a place where, you know, our media so agendized that comedy was, you know, gone. I feel like it's kind of coming back though, which is. And weirdly enough, like I said, through independent media, because the re re rise of podcaster or of comedy has been through podcasters. All of the comedians that were great back in the day are starting podcasts Mm -hmm. and all of the new comedians that are coming out are coming out through creating podcasts. So like this type of independent media is exactly what's going to bring back everything and the way that things should be in society and people actually realize the true intentions of things rather than instantly being turned off and offended by things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shoot that. So uh, I guess with that, we're running at about an hour and a half and we can definitely come back and reconnect again, but I always like to leave everything on a high note. So if there was any words of wisdom that you would like to bestow on the listeners, what might it be? Hmm. Don't put me on the spot or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You actually did tell me, and then I forgot. Um, Words of wisdom. So I would say words of wisdom are, um, you know, this is fun. I'll just say this because it's the first thing that popped into my mind. Those are always the best ones, though. (laughs) Yeah. I had a gang of family in town for the holiday for over a week and a little bit of my husband's family, a bunch of my family. And you know that everybody's kind of got their conflicts and not everybody, there's a few conflicts going on. Right. And I, I had the blessing of somewhat kind of being in the middle because I love all these people very much and I'm not having the conflict with, but I've been asked about, you know, trying people trying to pull sides and stuff like that. And, um, and I might, if I said it once, I probably said it a dozen times. I said, you can be right or you can have family. You can't have both. <laughs> so I'm just going to extrapolate that out because I think it is a little bit of a mindset, right? Like you can go around and you can say, I'm offended or I'm, you know, I need this. I'm right. The way I see things is right. Or you can have friends and family and coworkers and stuff and, it's okay to keep your shit to yourself and not be right. Um, so, you know, and I guess essentially what I'm saying is like people are more important than your opinion, right? You, If you love people, let them have their opinion. Let them have their, their say. Let them have their place 
because uh, ultimately it's time together and you can't replace it. You can't replace the, the time with those that you're trying to relate to. Um, Cause there's so much, I mean, actually it, now that I've said it all, it sounds kind of corny, but <laughs> there really is so much division and divisiveness, like in every realm, whether it's over the water cooler or it's in traffic or, you know, at over Thanksgiving dinner or something. Um, it is pretty easy to just go inside your mind and just be like, you know what? I don't need to win every fight, you know, I'm going to choose my battles. And um, so that's the, the post Thanksgiving wisdom I'm going to say is, you know, you can be right or you can have family. No, I like that. It's, I was actually, while you were saying that, I was thinking that it's a matter of pick your own battles for the sake of having community. Kind of just to extrapolate it a little yes. bit past family. But if you want community to exist, you have to pick your battles. And not every battle is worth being fought. And everybody is very angsty nowadays where they just want to be right all the time. And it's not about that. Life is about um, having compassion for others, understanding others' perspectives. And in the end, basically trying to you have to have give and take in order to be able to create a community and we've lost, we've lost touch with that. Yeah, we have, we certainly have. So, um, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my last words of wisdom comment. And then, um, call me later. I might have something else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that one for the next show we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect. And, uh, if anybody's enjoyed this conversation, uh, they want to get a hold of you for any reason whatsoever. They want to check out your art, which I highly recommend doing because you have some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen. Like I said, I have one in my studio that I look at every single day. Uh, where can everybody come and find you at? Yep. Um, I've got a website, which is WhitneyFoxMedium.com. And then I have an Instagram that is uh, at TricksterFox7. And then another Instagram that's uh, Don Whitney Hall. All one word, D-A-W-N-W-H-I-T-N-E-Y-H-A-L-L. So, and then where else can you find me? Um, yeah, shoot me a message because I really love hearing from people and having comments and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and let's stay in touch, Shane. I love our conversations. Absolutely. I was about to say the same thing. I appreciate you making the time to come on today. And uh, every single time we have conversations, they always end up being some of the most meaningful, uh, pleasant conversations that I come across as far as my podcast goes. So we definitely have to make sure that we don't go nearly as long and maybe even set something up where every six months we come back around and we just have one of these types of discussions because they're always just wonderful. And I'm sure the listeners love hearing them too. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put it on the calendar, whatever time means but yeah six months (laughs) let's do it it'll be fun if you guys enjoyed this episode don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on itunes or spotify Uh, and if you guys give the show a five-star review i will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out and uh don't forget to report your encounters to the open minds media encounter report email which is omm encounter reports at outlook.com or you guys can go to this submit Go to the link tree, fill the submission form for that, and that will go directly to my email. And if you want to get a hold of me for any other reason whatsoever, you guys can email me at increaseofallrealitypodcast.outlook.com or go to the link tree. And there is also a submission form for that too. Two separate submission forms. So make sure you guys go to the correct one that you guys are uh, intending to be looking for. And you guys can also get a hold of me, of course, through social media. You guys can do so through Instagram, which is the one I'm the most active on, or Facebook. Of course, that's also definitely a viable option too. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, 
Hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.